Welcome to the Danger Zone. It's F29 Retaliator on Amigos, episode 386. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about F-29 Retaliator. Mm. Now, Aaron, are you a fan of the Top Gun franchise of films? No. No, I'm not. What do you not like about them in particular? Well, I mean, I don't. I didn't see the new one, so there's that. So I don't like or hate that because uh, I haven't seen it. But I did see the first one. And it just didn't do it for me, <laughs> if you want the truth. And I like a lot of the guys in it. Mm-hmm. I like Val Kilmer. I like uh, uh, Cruz is okay, you know. Uh, but uh, I don't is know. It, is it the fact that you just don't find, uh, you know, fighter jet combat exciting? It may be. I mean, I, it, you're right. Because, you know, one thing I like about old planes, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it's the old like, World War One dogfight films that Lucas loves. Or even World War Two, you can mm-hmm. see them coming by. You can see them. <laughs> you know, there's no lock-on system. There's mm-hmm. no missiles. There's none of that stuff. It's it's mono and mono, especially in the World War One stuff where you're basically up in the air in like a crap mobile. Mm-hmm. I like the now again, it's a movie, of course, but I like the idea of just a goof who's like, not only is he going to go up in this rickety hunk of crap. But, oh, by the way, he's going to get shot at by another guy in a rickety hunk of crap. And they're going to shoot at each other. It just I think it's interesting. Uh, uh, the uh, There's no ejector seats, any of that stuff. Plus, in the, in the, in the uh, Top Gun film, I thought the base stuff was dumb. I had trouble suspending my disbelief, if you, if you want the honest truth. The, I, don't know, I don't know much about the Air Force. My buddy mm-hmm. was an Air Force guy. But I can tell you, none of the crap that happened in that movie would probably fly, even if the pilots would get a lot of extra special privileges. But, I mean, even with all that said, it's a it's a wacky movie. I didn't hate it. I thought the soundtrack was pretty good. You know? And we should we should definitely point out, so it doesn't point out for us in the comments, yes, Top Gun is about Navy pilots, not Air Force pilots. Oh, sorry. I mean, there you go. I mean, to be honest with you, I saw it once when it originally came out. So there you go. Yeah. I never seen so it. So really you might you might view it differently should you view it uh recently, you know, today. Nah, I don't think so. I just it doesn't interest me. And the new one everybody said was great. Like I've seen there are much better movies. There are movies that are more interesting to me that I didn't go see uh mm-hmm. because I just didn't feel like it and Top Gun is nowhere on the near the top of the list. What about you? You like this stuff? Well, you know, it's funny that we were doing this episode cuz I just watched uh the new Top Gun uh a couple days ago. Oh yeah, uh, Eep, and, Eep and I watched it. Eep loved it. She watched it on the plane when she was coming back from Thailand, and uh, it's already I thought it on was the good. Plane, huh? You know, here's the thing that's funny about Top Gun is that they're you know you got these <laughs> fighters right, and they're flying around the skies, and to talk to each other, one plane drives up to the other one, and they're talking to each other like they're at the drive-through window. I'm almost certain that that does not happen in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I will say that I did like, uh, I liked Hot Shots, which is a parody of Top Gun. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. A lot because Listen, it was so I got to hand it, I got to hand it to Mr. Cruz. Yeah. Uh, he is 60 years old, and he's still a ripped stallion. Yeah, yeah. I just saw him jump off of something mm-hmm. or do some, climb to the top of a building for his birthday or some kind of crap. You ain't going to give the guy uh, credit. This is another. This is another one of these movies, like you know, like uh, Creed, for example. Did you see Creed? No, I didn't see that either. Okay, because I didn't well, like the idea know, of that. 
it's another it's another movie where the old guy comes back and everybody's kid is still there and he sees his old friends and they're old and decrepit except for the the chick because you can't show an old and decrepit chick so she's still kind of hot even though she's old i don't like the idea of rocky being old beat down and not care about life and all that crap it shouldn't do it for me you know again I, i heard creed was a pretty good flick but I don't want to see that, man. That's just I, I don't like it when they take characters that I like. It's, it's just like the new Star Wars. Let's you know, it's funny. I was watching off or whatever. I don't like it. I was watching an episode of Twilight Zone last night. Yeah, uh, and uh, this, it kind of reminded me of what you're talking about. It was the one where the 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 old actress doesn't want to p- play the mother. She only wants to play, you know, the 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 the, the leading lady. Yeah. She doesn't want to age. You don't. You're the same way. You don't want yourself to age or the stars of your youth to age. That's not. No, that's not what it is at all. But I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay, uh, if I watch the, the Return of the Jedi, okay, here comes Han Solo, strapping heroic stud, and Luke. This, I mean, he's a guy out there killing it. You know, in the new movies, they made Luke into this geek. Who does stupid crap he would never do? It's got nothing to do with the way he looks, because you expect him to look like an old kind of fat guy. But when he goes out and does stuff like tosses a lightsaber, does a stupid mm-hmm. crap, they've because now I've got to live with that's Luke, you know, into canon. I got to live with that. I don't want right. to. I don't want to carry that. I liked Luke back in the old days, and the fact that if you read the books and stuff after the original Jedi, like Luke was awesome, but we can't use the books. We gotta screw with these guys. I don't like it when they screw with these old characters because it screws up my my memories of the original stuff. Scott, I don't mm. mind them getting old. It's like Indiana Jones is another one. You know, the new Indiana Jones. He's this old man. Now he's getting rescued. You know, I want to see that. You know, just hang it up for God's sakes. Don't screw with these old characters. It pisses me off. See, so are you just? Would you say that you're not really a fan of cameos in general? What do you call a cameo? I mean, Han well, Solo, Luke like, Skywalker, those guys were main characters in those films. No, he wasn't. The main character was the girl. But Luke, Luke is was, essentially Luke was not a, cameo a cameo role. No. He shows up, he throws the lightsaber, he heads out. No, that's not what he does. Did you I've see that Star Wars? Okay, I didn't no. think so. And Indiana Jones, it was called Indiana Jones. It, that was the film, so he was the main guy. <laughs> So, that's true. No, that's true. I don't like it when they take old characters and screw with them. Just make your own guys, you bunch of jerks. Look at the new freaking, uh, that Scooby-Doo spinoff, Velma. Mm-hmm. That's a debacle. A debacle. Why are we screwing, why are we screwing with Scooby-Doo? You know? And, of course, it's getting it's tanking, as it should, because nobody wants to see that crap. Yeah, yeah. Me well, hot, you might mode. have a point. You might have a point. You better Let's talk it. about this week's Amiga News. Now, Aaron, we are under a month from the world's largest Amiga-centric retro gaming charity event, Amigathon 2023. Uh, 18th of February, starting at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, you, me, the Brent, perhaps some other characters, will descend upon Amigo Studios for 12 hot, hot hours of Amiga action. Aaron, are you looking forward to it? <laughs> oh, man. I really am. You know, it, one thing, this is going to sound dumb, and we and I've talked this to you before. I love the idea of doing something charitable. Because, I mean, it's not like as I've went through my life, I thought to myself, boy, I want to be a big charitable guy. I should have been, but, I, you know, that was a failing of mine. So it's nice to get in there and feel like I'm doing something nice. 
but the uh, the main thing that I like is just I don't get to sit down and play 12 hours of games with my buddies like ever once a year it's at a megathon and so it's going to be I always enjoy it uh, and the last time we did it was me you and Brent and that was so much fun. I had such a good time. I have great memories of the last Amigathon we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was the best one yet, honestly. Well, as I mean, far it was the, the amount most, of fun that we had. It was the old school. Yeah. You know, when me and you did the 24-hour ones, you know, we were Where pushing our luck. people the slots. Yeah. And we were forced to play that's, games we hated for hours. That's that. Well, I mean, it was good to find do, new stuff. But I just want to sit down and just play some just random stuff. I like it. You know, I mean, maybe it's a conceit, if I'm honest, that we aren't doing it that way. But I'll, I'll, it's, well, I'll really look forward to it. This is an entertainment event. People want to watch us play Amiga games and be entertained by our antics. It's hard to have antics when you're in hour three of it came from the desert and it's 4:30 a.m. Well, also the kind you're, of antics you don't want to see. You're not what I would call a night person, and, all, no. and neither is the Brent, by the way. And, and and I'm not as much as I used to be. But also, it's just uh, uh, you're right. There, sometimes the 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 best laid plans when you get that one game that you're just not. And it's funny. I remember distinctively. I remember some of the games that we would get like th- after 15, 16 hours. It's just like, oh my god, no, <laughs> you know, or something we didn't know what. Like, it, do I want to play a puzzle game and 19 hours in? Probably not. You know. So I like it better when you just get picked stuff. It was a lot of fun. And like I said, it, it's nice to do put give something back. The community's always been super supportive of Amigathon. Uh, I don't remember. I never can remember what our total raise was. I know it's over 10 Gs over the years. Yeah, we've raised over $10,000, uh, according to Super Tech Boy. Thank you, Super Tech Boy. Um, you, uh, we have raised $245 for the uh, cause. Uh, you can uh, check out the uh, event page at Extra Life. It is Amigathon.com. Yeah, uh, if you are trying to use that Bitly link that's on the poster that's in front of you, if you're watching the version of the show, I guess it is not working for some reason. I think I've redirected the uh, the the link to just Amigathon.com, so we'll correct that in future uh, future promotions. But yeah, yeah we're under a, we're under a month. Uh, if you want to get your donation in early, there is an incentive. If we raise five hundred dollars before the event. Uh, Retro Rewind will uh, match that donation of another $500. So let's make that happen for the Children's Miracle Network. That's dandy. I'm look, but I am, I'm really looking forward to it. February 18th. Please stop in. At the bare minimum, stop in say hi. Throw a couple bucks to the Children's Miracle Network, and you can feel very good about yourself for at least a couple days, Boat. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. All right. Let's dive into our first story of the week, which is... 10-minute Amiga retrocast. Aaron, last week we talked about his grand ambitions to use his Amiga 4000 as a daily driver. And gosh darn it, Aaron, he is doing it. This episode is called The Fully Networked Amiga. And he talks about how you can do pretty much anything that you want to do entertainment-wise with your Amiga. So he talks about, you know, hooking up your email, configuring your email server, the old POP, the IMAP. He was throwing out terms that I haven't thought about in at least a decade. Um, He talks about configuring your TCP IP stack, uh, which you got to do. He talks about the software that you need to do to run that. Uh, he talks about uh, using a web browser. Aaron, you know that you're living in, a, in 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 the right company when you're charging sixty dollars for a web browser. I, I was I was just waiting to talk about that boat. You know, I yeah. watch. 
you're right, by the way. And there were terms thrown around here that I hadn't thought about since with the Windows 3.1 days or whatever. This was a very fascinating to watch because uh, Doug is going in here and trying to pull this stuff. Off. You know, one thing about Doug is he's super... He's super positive, you know, mm-hmm. about, and so he's super upbeat about it. But I mean, if some of the wacky stuff, I mean, yes, can you get the Amiga to do some of the mod stuff? You can, but stuff like I'm telling you right now, and I don't, I know they're currently working on these web browsers, but I mean, that's madness for a web browser, especially. And that, I mean, I guess here's the way I look at it: How much would you pay for an Amiga web browser? Well, it depends. If because. I wouldn't use the Amiga to browse the web, okay? If you look at what the $60 or $40 gets you, it doesn't get you... Uh, it's not like you're going to be watching stuff on YouTube. Now, Doug goes into that uh, my favorite shtick where you download the video from YouTube, then you tr- you tr- you wait till it gets converted to a format the Amiga can read, and then you watch it. So if don't I, he, like Doug said, do a couple ahead of time so you got something to watch. Yeah, uh, you're not yeah. going to just be but flipping still, through the YouTube. You know, I've got to say um, that at the end of the day... Um, you know, it is impressive to me. I enjoy wackiness like this. I don't enjoy necessarily doing it myself, but no. I enjoy watching a sort of time-lapse based wackiness where things are edited out and things are compressed for the sake of time. And the, just knowing the fact that it is possible to do all of these things on the Amiga in some, in some respects makes me, you know, appreciate and, and enjoy the Amiga a little bit more. You know, I, I, just as a little side note on this, I was watching this video, I was got to thinking, because I go through these phases where this stuff I find fascinating, and then sometimes I just look at it and think to myself, this is some stupid crap right here. And then sometimes I think to myself, hey, I could try that. So I'm up and down on it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to taking mm-hmm. these old computers... And trying to squeak every little drop of energy out of them to do modern stuff. Again, we mentioned it last week. If you've got uh, the Chris Edwards Pymega gimmick, you can really sort of get the best of both worlds because you can actually, you know, you could drop in and out with the browser and stuff and actually use like a more modern free browser, you know, with it. But I mean, yeah, for I the- think, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a Pymega set up or if you have one of the uh, Amiga OS 4.1 machines like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Level Lord has. It's sort of the same deal. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's uh, it, this is for a, a certain type of person who just takes pleasure in this. I mean, it's it's hard for me to understand sometimes, but, that, I mean, listen, I, take, I get happy out of doing some goofy crap, too, so we all have our thing. But, I mean, this was a, if you're into this stuff, this is a fun video to watch. Uh, Doug gets in there and he he kajiggers and cajoles his way to get some crap working for sure. Yeah, and by the way, Chris Edwards in the chat says he'd pay twenty five bucks for an Amiga web browser. And so, uh, if you are the maker of that and you're listening up, listen, I think twenty five bucks. I'm with Chris. That's a fair price. Yeah, I mean, if, especially if you're if you're keeping the ball rolling on it, you know. But it seems like forty bucks is kind of bloodletting the the real hardcores to me. Sixty think. bucks. It's sixty. Oh, sixty. Bucks. Well, then there you go. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Our next uh, story is Raiders of the Lost ROM. Yes. Now, you check this one out. Tell us about what Chris Edwards is up to. You know, he's back up to his usual, usual annex. So this time he's, he's uh, going through and trying to cure a Amiga 3000 board. You know, now, again, I give I give Chris a lot of grief sometimes because he's, he's wacky. He does a bunch of, uh, he does some sketchy crap like I do. But, like, I will say, uh, this I thought was a very impressive video because this is going into troubleshooting to the nth degree. I mean, you're really getting in there. 
Schematic City, taking readings, running all sorts of uh, new land material, all sorts of of diagnosis on this board. I mean, one thing you've got to consider is the age. I work on a lot of PCBs, but not nothing this old. I mean, when you're working on stuff this old, problems can crop up that are really tough to diagnose. I mean, uh, like battery acid that just leaks enough under something to where it separates the pads from the board or separates the land. Stuff you can't see, stuff that's hidden, uh, stuff that you've got to get in there and just literally disassemble the like things just to try to find stuff. Yeah, he mentioned Chris in the chat. He mentions previous repairs, attempts to do stuff. That's that's another. There's nothing worse for a repair person than trying to fix someone else's botch. I've done that. Not only have I done that, but I've had it done to me when I bought something. It's always tough because you don't necessarily know what their line of thinking was. And I think this video. I mean, I'm gonna give. I gotta give the dev was doing this because I mean. Uh, uh, man, I wouldn't have hung with it this long. I can tell you that right now. Uh, and and uh, it was impressive, man. I really enjoyed this as a technician. And that's one thing I like about uh, Chris's stuff is, I mean, you can watch it for his wacky antics and uh, and and all that stuff. But I mean, he, he really is uh, quite an expert at this sort of thing. And you can get some good tips in there. Like he's showing some stuff that you, if you don't know about it. Uh, and you're trying to repair stuff. This is some this is some hidden knowledge right here that that would come in handy if you were if you were trying to do it yourself. It also might talk you out of doing it yourself, boat. Uh, yeah. If I'm honest, it talks me yeah. out of doing. it. Watching this makes me nervous and and scared and and sad. It's like I'm never going to get back into it that deep again. You know, I I've I've discovered something about myself, and that's I enjoy uh, vicariously uh, performing uh, these sorts of operations, watching other people do them. Yeah, and uh, their joys and their sorrows gives me the same level of a sorrow without the added <laughs> guilt of ruining a piece of electronics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. It takes a big man to say that, boat. I'm I'm proud of that. You're saying that, but Chris, and you know, this is a lot like Doug with his uh, abilities to go in there and, from a software perspective, squeeze everything he can out of the Amiga to do all this crazy stuff. Chris is like basically there's the same kind of passion for hardware here. I mean, and this guy. I mean, again, we're getting these edited videos, and I know sometimes Chris will put like tell you what time it is or whatever. But I mean, you're talking hours and hours of labor. On your day off at night. I mean, mm-hmm. I've done this stuff. I just stopped. I mean, I literally, I was like, I'm done. I just can't do it anymore. Pulling up, pulling up, uh, you know, pulling up connectors to repair via holes and stuff. Just after a while, you makes your brain want to explode. And the fact that he's doing this stuff on, on for free, you know, or on the cheap, is uh, uh, it's a it's a special sort of madness that only a, a, a genius repair person could have. So I give I give Chris uh, 100% kudos on this. It's too rich for my blood, boat. But it's I'm glad to see someone's out there doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Aaron, we move on to some gaming news this week. This one ought to excite you. All we right, we're just talking about this. This is a new spin on it. Came from the desert. It returned to the desert. Yes, I yeah. heard something about this, uh, but I because uh, people were sort of trepidatious about it. You know, well, you know, it, it came from the desert. The, the later iterations. <laughs> As we know from the infamous uh, the, the TurboGrafx-16 CD Oh, yes. Port. They killed the company. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, as as we know, uh, there are there are ways to do this right, and there are ways to do this wrong. Uh, now this is this is a PC port of this, and it looks to be um, very similar to you know they're trying to harness that that old pixel art style. I guess it's more like a PlayStation One type experience where uh, you have kind of rendered polygonal things, but then it's also combined with some pixelized uh, graphics, character portraits, and things like that. Um, it looks like it's right in the same vein, though, as the original in terms of, you know, it's got your mini games. Ha, ha, there's that. You've got, the, uh, you've got the adventure type games where you're dealing with dialogue choices and things like that. You know, Aaron, this is one that we may have to check out. This one, this one may be a winner. You know, it's funny during the combat with the ant here, they were showing it almost looks like a real time strategy game there, or you know, like or or, uh, or you know, or some kind of because I mean that's that is not the same as it was in the old one. You'll recall right. the old one you had the gun and it just kind of moved your hand around like this. Mm -hmm. uh, so it looks like that, but I mean, uh, some of the other mini games they show in this little demo here, and this is the first time I've seen this, by the way. I'd heard about it, but I hadn't actually seen it. I mean, it looks some of this stuff looks a lot like the, the old game, like up super upgraded, like flying the plane, escaping from the hospital stuff you did in the original game. Uh, you know, we'll have to see, won't we? Because uh, these can be botched. You know, for every remake of like Wings, that's a super awesome one. There's a lot of crappy old out there, so we'll have yeah. to see how it goes. But hey, it's nice to see that someone uh, remembered this license and thought enough of it that, that they thought they could make a buck off of it. You know, I'm down with that. I mean, this is sort of a beloved title, you know. It's probably, it, of all of Cinemaware's titles, <clears throat> this is amongst the most popular ones, I would say. And certainly the ones that are, are the most ballyhooed. Yeah, uh, and we yeah. both agree this is well ahead of its time. This is coming out very soon, too. Turn-based tactical adventure, it says, Boats. That's exactly what it was. So there's a little bit of everything in here. It might be fun. I'm looking forward to that, Boat. This is coming out uh, in about three weeks, February 15th. You can uh, add it to your Steam wish list now. No pricing as of yet that I can see. It's too bad it's not getting an Amiga release, but I guess we're asking too much there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to play the other <laughs> Ant games. All right. And Aaron, our final story this week is uh, this is something that I picked up. You know, every once in a while, I'll go trawl around the AmigaNews.de. Okay. Uh, oh, yes. That, I used the, to go there all the time. Yeah. The German Amiga News site. And uh, there are all kinds of wacky systems out there. You know, we always hear about the X5000, the, you know, the, the new generation Amiga type stuff. Yeah. This is another one of these wacky systems. It's now, I guess, a, they, they have a shipped they, a new shipment of these. Um, and this is called the SAM 460 LE. Okay. Um, this is basically, it, it is a PowerPC based motherboard. Uh, that has a micro ATX form factor, uh, and it is a machine that you can use to run AmigaOS 4.1. In fact, AmigaOS 4.1 is included with this board. So this is this is sort of a build your own uh, alternative to an Amiga OS or Amiga X5000 machine. Uh, however, Aaron. Don't think that since it is uh since it's a build your own you're going to be saving tons of bucks. These things ain't cheap, brother. 789 euro. Well, okay. This is interesting, okay? And by the way, uh, Frank says he's got one of these bad boys. So I am not surprised. I'm looking at this thing. You what do you got here? A PCI port. It looks like it's got an uh, uh, a a uh 
micro SD slots. I'm looking at the stats here: seven USB ports, Ethernet, uh, gigabyte Ethernet. Uh, it looks like is that oh, it's got a PCI Express slot on it. Mm -hmm. It's got yeah, two it's of got them. tons of expandability. Two of them, and, and it's small. I mean, it doesn't mm -hmm. look like there's a whole lot to it. If you look at the board here. This is a heavily, this is a chip-heavy board. I mean, in terms of like what's on it, and so chips are running most of the stuff on here. Uh, I mean, these, I mean, just a few chips. So with all that, it's got a real-time clock, how you would hope, right at that price. So as we know, to get into the Amiga OS four zone, it ain't, it's not cheap, brother, to get up in there. So I guess again, I'm going to go back to the same things we said earlier about the browser. For for effectively eight hundred euros, okay. Uh, this is aimed at the nichiest of the nichey niche you ever niched. You've <laughs> got to be a sucker that is obsessed with wacky new Amiga technology. To people like ourselves, boat simple country folk, this price is ludicrous, laughable, almost embarrassingly high. Okay, mm -hmm. but to that special someone. Uh, this is the King Dong of all their hopes and dreams. And so yes. I hope there's enough King Dongs out there to offset the cost of designing this board because that is, I mean, to me, that's madness. I mean, it's absolute madness to pay that much. I don't care what it does. I do not care. I mean, I've paid I've paid one-third as much for a car, you know, I mean, back in the old days. I don't know what I don't know how the euro and the U.S. dollar are, are are joined up right now, but I'm guessing this is somewhere around nine hundred bucks. You know what yeah. you say? And and this is not this is not even including tax, so uh, it's uncertain of what the status of this board would be if you are eligible to pay tax or not. But you can load this page with the tax included nine hundred sixty two euros if you include the tax. Yeah, I mean, it's not for us, boat. It's, it's not. not for us. Uh, but now, that with all that said, I would be enjoy seeing what something that you paid 900 euros can do. I mean, I really would. It'd be fun to, like, maybe we'll get Frank to bring this thing down to Boat Fest. I'd so love to have see a, that. Have a look at it. Because we got to see Level Lord bring his super expensive, high-powered Machine of Doom down. And we both enjoyed that. So this might yeah. be uh, even better. I don't know. I'd love to see the. I'd love to see Level Lord's machine and Frank's machine uh, fight to the death. Well, we could run some benchmarks. Well, I don't um, want them to die because that's well, a lot we don't of money want them to die. Yeah, yeah. maybe that, they could. They could each. You know, I'd love to see them do like a. You know, a battle of the. Uh, you know, I'm sure they do that. That's a geek thing to do, right? Set two machines up beside each other and have them run benchmarks against each other. Cheer wildly. It's like esports for super dorks. Yeah, you know? that's what they do. A, they made it even dumber. <laughs> so, don't let Brit hear you say that. Okay, yeah, he's the esports ambassador. <laughs> really? Oh God! No Didn't you hear him run all over me when I said esports weren't the best thing ever? Oh God, <laughs> he loves them. And that's going to do it this week for the news. Sort of a light news week, but there's some good stories in there. There's always something going on in the world of the Amiga. Oh yeah. Now, Aaron, I'll tell you where else there's something always going on. Where, and that's up in Canada. God's country, they call it. Is that what they call it? Absolutely. You know, Aaron, if you're going to be sending some computer parts just up to Canada, you don't want to just send them anywhere. Yukon, um, Vancouver. Um, <laughs> I can see how far you can take this. Prince George's oh, Sound. Hosertown. Yep. 
you don't want to send it to any old place. You want to send it to Retro Rewind. Uh, Retro Rewind is the place for all of your Commodore Amiga and Commodore 64 computer needs. They're coming out with all kinds of crazy awesome stuff all the time. This week's new product of the week, Aaron, is not for the Amiga, but it is Commodore adjacent. This is a Commodore 8-bit keyboard tester. This thing is a bespoke piece of kit. You know, Aaron... All of us have had uh, uh, C64 keyboards that have gone out in some way or another. It's true. You're you're (laughs) never sure what's going on. Well, with this thing, you can be sure. With this thing, you can test the resistance of every key of an 8-bit Commodore keyboard as long as you've got a multimeter. You can test the C64, the VIC-20, the PET, the C16, the Plus 4, the C128, the C128D, and the SX-64, although that does require a special cable. Listen, if you've got an SS-64, you've got the special cable. That's right, brother. Those ain't cheap either. We got to play with one of those. It was cool. So listen, no matter if you're looking for keyboard testers, other diagnostic equipment, diagnostic ROMs for your A1200, replacement ROMs, uh, OS 3.2, uh, Retro Rewind's got it all, plus they have a whole suite of repair services that are available to you should you have gone in and messed around with your Radio Shack soldering iron and really screwed something up. We appreciate all of the fine services that Frank provides. We thank him for being an official sponsor of Amigos, an official sponsor of Boat Fest, an official sponsor of Coco Fest, and one of the key donators. He's all about the charity of um uh that thing that we do that's for the kids he was Amiga-thon. he was right at the, he was at the top of the list last year boat that's last right, couple that's years right. we appreciate so, it frank retro rewind.ca use promo code amigos 10 at checkout save yourself 10 percent off frank's already low low prices mm, well done aaron buddy. let's talk about f29 oh man Ooh, ominous boat. Yes. Ominous. <laughs> the ominous sounds of the F-29 Retaliator. That's not the love theme. No. You know, no. Boat, we've played a few of these uh, F-something or another's, you know what I'm saying, over the years. There's and about as many F-somethings as there are stars in the sky. It's like looking at my old report card, buddy. Uh, with all that said, <laughs> this is another one. That's for sure. The old F-29 Retaliator. I do like that. They're going to yeah. get you. This is what you get when retaliating. Uh, this came out uh, the year of our Lord, 1990, Boat. Two big discs, developed by an outfit we've crossed paths with before, uh, Digital Image Design. Do you remember what we played from them? You probably don't. No idea. I, well, remember Epic? Epic, that cool space game we played? You liked it. That was the one that had the enti- the huge ship, right? Yeah, like yeah. The ship was the entire bottom half it, of the screen. It was, that real, it was almost like a Battlestar Galactica-looking right, cut. Right. Really cool. Anyway, that. that was them. Okay. That was, in fact, that came directly after this. Mm. Uh, they also, they're an interesting outfit. Uh, 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 they're called DID, Digital Image Design. They worked on a lot of stuff with the Amiga that we've looked at in, in awe and wonder. Uh, they also did the remember those Robocops we played at, at Boat Fest. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually I think we played Robocop, Robocop 3. 3D and stuff. Yeah. Robocop Redux. They did those. They did a game that caused quite a stir back in the day called TFX. This is I remember it mostly on the PC, but I, I didn't know even though it had an Amiga release. But I did did have an AGA release. But apparently, it, you need a jacked up Amiga to play it properly. But I remember when it came out on the PC, it was a pretty big deal. 
they did a game called hilariously called Wargasm. I remember that one. <laughs> they did a game called Eurofighter. Uh, if you wanted, there's actually a history piece out there from your boy Neil. He was he got into it about the DID. So if you're interested, check him out. He did a pretty decent little piece on the history of them that I caught. Uh, but uh, they were a pretty interesting team. Of course, ultimately, what happens to every good interesting team? They get screwed when someone buys someone else and they break up, and you know how that goes. That's, ex- mm-hmm. that's so they were around for about twelve years. Published by Ocean, of course, because why not? Because they publish everything. It's Ocean. Uh, it's a one-player game. Now, I will say, I, now I I didn't try this, but I read that on the PC version of this, which came out a year year and a half later, you could have two players via cable. Both, okay. which be, but Amiga, we don't have that. It's funny. Look, researching this, the one thing I found out is that the Amiga was the original release. It's also the crappiest of the. It's, mm. The other ones, like I mean, they don't look any better, but they got additional tweaks and fixes and stuff that the Amiga one didn't get. Um, this thing was uh, coded by a guy named uh, Phil Alsop, who did Epic, uh, and Russell Payne, who did Epic Falcon uh, and the Robocops and TFX. You're gonna see a, a trend here. Pretty much everyone on the team, uh, Joanne Drury, Martin uh, Kenwright, Paul Hollywood, these guys all worked on the Epic and RoboCop series. Uh, the music was done by a fellow named Matthew Cannon. Uh, I liked I liked the music. I thought it was pretty good. I did not hear any music in this game. Where is the music? Oh, there's music in it. There's music. It, I played a, this a lot. On, the, on I... the menu title screen, you hear music. I heard it. I didn't hear any music in this game. Did you hear the opening there? Because you know, the one thing I found. Okay, so check this out. I believe this is a game that supports that MIDI thing that everybody loves. You know, the, oh yeah. So there's that Marshall on board for that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we should get into this. I was going to ask you before we get into this d- too deeply. Um, what did you play this on? I played this on FSUAE emulating an A1200. Uh, I've tried three. I had to go to. Th- I had to go three deep on this to get to what I wanted. So I tried this on the uh, the A uh, A500 Mini and mm-hmm. with a keyboard plugged in because you could. <laughs> I actually tried it with the virtual keyboard. That was good for a laugh for about two <laughs> seconds when yeah. I realized that that one going to cut it. Uh, but it ran, like, super fast. And then I tried mm. it on the uh, Mister, and it ran super fast. I mean, you could adjust the stuff, but it ran super fast. So ultimately, actually, I did something I haven't done for a while. I got the actual Amiga and mm. fired, fired this thing up, and it played pretty good there. Um, <clears throat> this also got released on a flurry of systems, boat. As I mentioned, uh, there, there was a DOS release. Uh, there was an Atari ST release uh, of this, and there was an FM Towns slash Towns Marty release as well, uh, and a PC ninety eight uh, release. So it got it got spread around a little bit, boat. So you know this comes up, uh, and you're pretty much straight away you're into the menus and whatnot. What did you when you know what were your first impressions when you brought this thing up, Boaster? Bad. <laughs> well, we're not off to a good start. Can you want to elaborate on that? Well, okay. So we've played a bunch of flight simulators yeah. on Amiga. Every time I feel like we've done them all, there's always more. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, they all start to run together after a while because there's only so much the Amiga is capable of graphics wise. It's not like you're going to have one flight simulator with a fully, you know, populated city of Chicago that you can zoom through the skyline of. You know, they're all going to look like basically, you know, flight simulator, you know, 2.0. 
uh, on the PC. You're going to have large swathes of uh, blank green or uh, brown or whatever you want your earth color to be. Then every once in a while, you're going to have random junk poking up out of the ground in a polygonal manner. Okay. Um, what, this is the least sexy flight simulator review I've ever heard. <laughs> what differentiates these games is the way that it immerses you in the pre-flight, the post-flight, uh, and the post-flight. You know, um, are you, uh, you know, are you as a pilot going into the ready room? Are you being briefed by a commander on a small movie screen about your targets? Um, you love you, that. Are you keeping a diary like in Wings? You yeah. know. Um, or, nope. or is your menu system literally a little computer that looks exactly like the computer that you're using and you choose options from the computer within the computer in the game? Yeah. Because that's what you get with F-29 Retaliator. It's like, how can we make this the least interesting thing possible? And they've done it. They've done it. You could not make a less interesting, uh, you know, a package to this game outside of the actual flight simulator itself. Let's let's describe the. Uh, I'm going to describe the menu system, which is very briefly. When you the game comes up, it asks you to put in a call sign or your name. You know, you type it in, and then you're you're really you're treated to a what I would call a. Uh, it's it's a. It seems like a vast array of choices, and it sort of is. But I mean, they are presented as plain Jane as possible, and what they and the choices are as follows. You can change your. You can go back and change your call sign. You can pick uh, your uh, your mission, and by and we'll get to that, okay? Because there's more to it than just that. You can pick your your uh, plane. You can pick the ammo for the plane. All right. You can pick the uh, your scenario, your overall scenario before you pick the mission, uh, and you could you could fiddle with the controls. Uh, and when you and so this game has something you don't see that often, and I uh, don't like it, by the way. So when you pick your mission, this thing has like ninety nine missions. Did you know that boat? Ninety nine. No, I didn't realize there were that many. There's a ton, of, and there's over several theaters. You've got uh, your Pacific Theater, your American Theater. You've got the uh, uh, you've got your Middle East. You've got Europe. You've got all these different theaters. And then it, within the theaters, there are mi missions in that theater. Okay, so. When you go to pick the missions, you pick uh, you, it, a menu will come up. It'll say it just says literally missions one through ten, and it say mission one, mission two. It doesn't tell you what the missions are, but mm. it, what it does say is, I mean, you have to go to the manual and look up what the mission is. It doesn't tell you the mission. You got to go look it up. It says that. Go look That's up dumb. the mission. That's dumb. So when you, I don't know if you noticed this. I mean, so this one here, you absolutely. Have to have the manual. There's no you. I mean, you. Can, I guess you can just randomly pick missions. But I mean, mm -hmm. uh, and the manual. I mean, I will say I took a look at the manual here, boat. The aside from the. I mean, the manual is pretty good. It tells you uh, uh, all the different things your uh, what your jets can do, the different types of jets, and there's a ton of weapons in this. Some of them are real. Some of them are fake. That you will also find out that the F twenty nine is not a re the jet on the front of this thing is not in the game. And I believe the F-29 is also not a real jet either. So it, this is like, you know, it's, I'm not, it's, that's okay. I don't mind. But right. something else you're going to determine when you play this is you're, you're, how, it says that you've got the ability to use the mouse, the joystick, or the keyboard. Well, uh, as you're going through these mi uh, menus, you have I had to use the mouse 
and the keyboard, but mm-hmm. you can't use the mouse on every menu, which was irritating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sometimes was, uh, you could use the mouse and sometimes you couldn't. What's the Amiga? I, what are we doing? Yeah, I found that really odd and confusing, So too. it wasn't just me. I'm glad you no. also ran into that. Didn't you find it strange just that some menus you could you had to use the mouse? It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, well, to me, um, this is... This is just an example of, I mean, like, listen, no disrespect to the fine folks at DID or whatever. Right. But this is about as lazy and by the numbers effort you possibly could get. And I understand why they did it. Yeah. Because listen, man, this is what, 1990 this came out? Yeah. This is the prime, the prime years for flight simulators on the Amiga. You know, they'd come to grips with what the machine was capable of. And everybody was releasing these things, and they were selling really, really well. I think that a big part of why flight simulators were so attractive to so many different publishers was because of the fact that you did need the manual in a lot of cases to be able to make any progress. So you, uh, a company like Ocean would know, hey, if we put this thing out, we're going to get you know a higher percentage of sales. We're not going to lose as many sales to piracy as if we put out you know a platformer or something like that because people are going to want to buy. And people that are into flight simulators, you know, they love paging through the manual and reading all the tech specs and stuff like that. Yeah. So you know, but this is what happens when you have the bones of an engine and you don't do anything whatsoever to flesh it out. You you end up with a hollow shell of a game. That just, you know, if you've played, if this is your only flight sim and you don't know any better, I'm sure that you'd be perfectly happy with this because it's very functional. You know, I was able to do everything except for land. I was still never uh, able okay. to land without There's a crashing. reason for that, Boat. I, I will um, say, just to touch on your previous point, if I could just jump in. Uh, this company, as I mentioned, did RoboCop 3, okay? Robocop 3 is sort of I- notorious for having a dongle that was that mm-hmm. came with it. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so I would, I'm going to go on the assumption that uh, piracy was uh, had some bearing on the way that they shipped this game with the manual being so important. That's just a guess. Maybe they didn't want to have all that stuff typed in. I don't know why you wouldn't have a you know a lit like the list of missions. But I would say that they wanted you to have that manual, so it would, that wouldn't be totally off center uh, in that department. Um, just to give you an idea of what you're looking at. Like, for example, one of these scenarios you could pick is the Arizona Test Range missions. Okay, the American Desert. This, they call is, this it. is where you, this is like the, this is the, what they want you to do first so you can come to grips with the controls. Right. right. I mean, which they don't really tell you that unless you look at the manual, mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't know. And I thought to myself, why are we having a campaign here? Uh, but, uh, um, uh, the just for example, like for example, if you pick mission one, if you look in a manual, it says, hit the two canvas targets in sector 7B. Okay. So, if you don't have the manual, you might still find where the targets are. Because something else you can do is just pick where you start and mm-hmm. where you take off. And so that has some bearing on where you're going to you know, take off from because you're going to want to be close to the action. Uh, and so, but anyway, you get the point here that the, the missions listed here. I mean, as you get into more advanced stuff, like listen to this one. Uh, the Jack, Here's one from the, uh, uh, the Pacific mission, okay? Just I'm going to read one as an example. Uh, uh, the gigantic, this is called Beta-1, the gigantic enemy super tanker, Azaz, has to be crippled in a surprise retaliator strike in Sector 4G, MiGs provide aerial cover. Well, you have to, you would have to know this to be successful at that mission, is my point. So, there's that. Um, so, with all that said, 
eventually you start the game. I, we should mention when you pick when you enter your ID, you also can pick a level of the difficulty. I always did the easiest level. Yeah, because we we suck. Yeah. Um, this game, uh, if you'll recall, we played F eighteen a while back, which sort of like some is oft considered one of the king dongs of, mm-hmm. of, of the system. I will say, having played, I I liked F eighteen better. Okay, but this game brings some things to the table that I thought were quite nice. Uh, for starters. You've got three screens on the on the uh, control panel of your jet that you could literally flip through, and there's like a ton of stuff. Each screen will flip through like four or five different things, all sorts of radar, statistics, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the condition of your plane, ammo, uh, how much ammo you've got, stuff like that. So that was neat. You could sort of tailor it to what you need at the time. I thought that was nice. I mean, I thought for the most part. Uh, and by the way, you're gonna have to. I had to print out a control overlay. I mean, a, you know, a keyboard command list, to, so I could remember all those. I had to capture from the manual and print it out. I'm guessing you had to do something like that. I sent you one on Discord. Did you not see it? Oh no, it doesn't matter. I had, to, I had the same thing. Uh, so once I got that thing out, then you've got. To, I mean, really, a lot of this was the basic controls you would expect. I guess uh, I thought they were anyway. And then once you get into the game proper. Uh, I thought the, I mean, listen, I'm not an ace at this game, and I, I'm I'm anxious to hear how you how you performed at it. But I will say, I thought it on on my 1200, which is an accelerator. I thought it ran pretty nicely, and I will say, I think this had better. I think the ground stuff was there was more of it, and it was better looking than F18, as I remember. And I think that was one of this team's claim to fame, was they they upped. Some of the graphical skills, the flybys, the, the all the different camera angles are really neat. Uh, the missile view was cool. When you shoot the missiles, you could see that you're seeing like the missile. You know, that's I love that stuff. I liked a lot of the, the way it looked. I thought the sound was the sound was good. I mean, the overall gameplay of it I thought was okay. I mean, again, when you're talking to someone who's a novice at this, um, the, I also had trouble landing, which that's no huge surprise. Uh, but landing is considered pretty difficult in this uh, uh, game uh, because, because of the way the game is. The game focuses all of its in, uh, landing uh, on, instead of most games, the plane comes in and you kind of land on your back wheels and come down. This one, you land basically straight down. So it's kind of a, it's kind of weird, it's a weird jarring feeling as you land your plane. And it always made me want to hit, go down too quick. Uh, also, many times I just overran the runway. I ran into the tower, stuff like that. Uh, what did you think about the uh, interface of the plane, the graphics of the, you know, once you get up in the air, the feel of it, uh, the controls? What were your thoughts? Uh, you know, I didn't have any trouble um, blowing stuff up, locating stuff. Oh, uh, I did. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I had I all mean, kinds you, of trouble you, locating stuff, yeah. If you, if you flip through those screens, you get to the, the – here's the problem. The problem is that the game presents you, in my opinion, with too much information. I would have preferred something like F-15 Strike Eagle 2. Now, um, because they have fewer, there are fewer screens that you can choose from, but they only give you the essential information that you need, you know, like, and so, you know, I feel like this game was unnecessarily complicated and I don't feel like the extra information made me have a better time because at the end of the day, what are you doing? You're taking off, you're blowing stuff up or you're shooting planes down and then you're returning to base. 
There's not like a bunch of, it's not like there's like a humanitarian mission you're running here. So I, again, I come back to the same thing that I was talking about before. Like you've got to surround the game with things that help you want to play the game. You know, when you're in my position of somebody that plays a lot of flight sims, I've got, you've got to, you've got to prove to me that, that this game is worth playing. And the game, it's funny, you know, and somebody pointed out in the chat that whenever you look at your pilot, you, whenever you do the reverse view, you see your pilot, your pilot is completely immobile. He's just sitting there like a corpse, you know, that's how I felt when I was playing this game. I was not excited by anything. Nothing, nothing made me feel happy. Like, you know, a, a lot of the things that, that this game does uh that are cool i've just seen in other games and so like for example you can set uh, the camera and the center screen to follow your missile yeah. you can look at it from the point of view of the target like that stuff is cool but we've seen that stuff in other games by now and in other games there is more surrounding the experience to make you feel like you're part of the mission and so you know this game there's nothing i didn't find except for the ability inability to land um I didn't find anything incredibly wrong with the game, but it's just, it's totally forgettable. Totally forgettable. I've I read some, a lot of reviews and looked up a lot of information on this because let's, in full disclosure, and I, I think I can speak for Boat here, me and Boat are not flight sim aficionados, all right? And so I don't know the nuts and bolts or how well this flies as like a real plane or whatever. Yeah, no this idea. is This game is known as a fun... I mean, the consensus in the community is a fun, no frills game that has a ton of missions. And if you look, yeah, at, you can't you can't knock the amount of missions. That's yeah, for you, sure. if you look at the missions, they are, they are pretty varied. And I think again, because this thing generates a lot of different sorts of, of ground stuff, they've got stuff like blow up the tanks, blow up the bridge, blow well, yeah, up the wall, I mean, they're, they're, blow up the building. I wouldn't call that an incredible amount of variation. Well, there's other you're, stuff you're, too. Interceptors. Out, what else do you do? There's interceptor missions. There's escort you're, missions. You're shooting down planes. There's attack. There's oh, no, it's not just planes. You also could attack oh. boats. You know, ground targets. I mean, there's a there's a ton of. If you look to the main, there's a ton of missions. See, what I would love to see in a game like this is where you have to, you know, you fly in and you've got to land. Say you've got to land at like an enemy airport, right? And then you've got to like pick up, you know, passengers and then take them somewhere else. You know, you never see stuff like that in flight. I zones. can confirm you can land at an enemy airport because I did that okay. once. And I, I watched couldn't land at my own airport, oh, so I had my own issues. By the way, I want to I want to mention. Uh, a, a YouTuber called Mr. Computer. God bless this guy because there's really limited amounts of stuff on this on this game, and like I learned a lot of how to like of what was going on. I really had trouble for a game that's supposed to be no frills. I had much more difficulty with this than I had F18. And I'll tell you one, of the, and this is one of the things I don't like about the game. And it's been widely mentioned by others. The play field area, the play area, and this is to to I guess to generate the amount of ground stuff that they do they've kept the play areas low or small and so what happens it happens to me in every mission every mission i tried i would almost instantly drive off the edge of the map and then you're in this void and the computer just says you're you're you know you're out of the map and, you, and so you've got to try to negotiate what your way back in i didn't i didn't like the radar in this if i'm honest i, I found it hard to use that's why i had trouble finding stuff i had trouble locking on the stuff 
I didn't like. It, 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 there is a. There's so many options that it's over. It could be overwhelming. For I know it's no frills. Okay, I'll accept that. But to me, there were still like boats that there was a t so much stuff that you could flip through that it made it harder for someone who's a novice to get to like become very good at the game. Uh, and when I did find a target, it was fun to shoot it, but there was a lot of flying around to get to that point. There was oh, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot I of, I don't want to give you the, imp I don't want to give you the impression that I was an ace at this game. Yeah. I was just, I was able to do some of the things, some of the time. And it could have came down to just, I just kind of went through and tried different missions. It mm -hmm. could have came down to simply, I just played stuff that was out of my league, which is pretty much everything. <clears throat> but you know, I don't want to, there are people out there that are really, really, heavily involved in the in flight sim stuff uh you know this is a game where you'd probably want to try it for yourself just don't go on what we're saying but to me that what the, the combination of the small play field and the and just that overall goofiness of, the, of 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 moving the jet around like i again i had an easier time in a game like f18 i mean f15 is on is more way more arcadey f15 strike eagle 2 that we played but I, I had more fun in that than I did in this because it was just, I could do stuff. I just had trouble. I did successfully land th three times, believe it or not. And a couple times I just went up and landed. I didn't even do anything else. Mm -hmm. so, and you've got to be careful because some missions you're instantly under attack. So I had to find, like, one of the, I did the training missions where I could land. I'd landed twice at my airport. One time I got lost and landed at the enemy airport. Which is, and so I, I, it's funny when it happens because it says, like, yeah, you're a traitor. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so that that was kind of funny. But uh, every other, I mean, I tried probably landing probably two dozen times. And I just got, and I, I would hit the tower. Most of the time I just came in too soft if I'm, and didn't make, you had to be careful with your speed. It's just, it was difficult. Did course, you play this, did you play this 100% with the keyboard as far as controlling the plane? No. <laughs> in fact, I never did that. I played it with the joystick. And the keyboard. Oh, by the way, if you can also turn the mouse on and play with that during the game. Uh, I always used to, but I mean, you're using the keyboard regardless of I mean, yeah. whether you're using the joystick or not. It almost makes using the joystick pointless, if, if you want yeah. the truth. Well, because, I, well, I only use the keyboard because I I thought using the joystick would be pointless because you're was. constantly all over the keyboard. You are. You are. And so, you know, uh, those I, I have trouble multitasking. Newsflash. And so that is, is, is always a problem for me. Um, in closing, both final thoughts on this before we get to the reviews. Um, you know, I, I think that if you are going to play a flight sim on your Amiga, you should check out other titles besides this one. Okay. I, I, I'll just say that I think this one, I think if you're looking for something that's, um, that's got tons and tons of missions, and again, I'll look over the mission variety. There's there's some different yeah, but stuff. Yeah, I there. mean, missions are like the number of screens in a ZX Spectrum. That's game. not, but I mean, Bo, you, did you look over the missions? There really are a ton of different missions. Okay. And so, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't think it's as lean as you think it is mission wise. I think there's, I mean, there's there's and there are different types of missions. Some escort, some blow up stuff, some search and destroy, some defend stuff. I mean, it, I like the fact that there's a variety of missions. A hundred missions is a lot of missions, it and they're and they're missions. taking place in different areas now i'll give you that it's not like these areas are so incredibly varied it's gonna blow your mind because they're not but you know your mileage may vary but yeah it's not the one i would pick up and play uh first if if i was giving my druthers um so i looked this up uh on uh, lemon to see how it fared uh lemon gives us a 7.55 boat that's probably you know I, that's I, about where i'd put it 
Uh, I looked over the various magazine reviews as they're featured there on Lemon. Uh, it got pretty good scores across the board. Really, I'm looking at the scores. The lowest score I see on here was Amiga Power, gave it a 78. Uh, and the one gave it a 78, but there are plenty of 90s, 95s. Amiga Joker gave it an 88. You know, they're tough. So this is well-received. And you've got to remember, when a game like this came out, running at the speed that it does, with the detail it does, I know it seems crazy now, uh, but uh, this game would have been impressive visually uh, back in the day, and I'm sure that played a part in the uh, in the overall ratings. The average magazine rating uh, from Lemon, 89%. So, pretty well-received boat. Did we get any action in the Discord? We did. Our first review comes from Alien Breeder. He says, I missed the opportunity before the show, but I had a copy of this one back in the day. I got it in an auction when a computer shop closed along with about 50 other Amiga games in the box. Mm. Started up, was confused, and moved on. No rating. <laughs> so, That's you your go. kind of review, boat, And mine. <laughs> <laughs> Alien Breeder for the win. David Hearn Ryder writes, I remember buying this back in the day. Beautiful box and nice graphics. Would this be the flight or flight sim to knock F-18 or F-A-18 Interceptor off as best Amiga flight sim? Varied campaigns. Well, brown or green ground. Uh, cool external cameras, including one that looked at the pilot. Okay combat sequences and even a choice of birds to fly at the start. After a couple days, I was left feeling flat. It was all okay, but there was a style over substance mechanic at play here. And soon, FA-18 Interceptor was back in the 500s drive. Still the champion. Nice try. Six out of ten. Chartel writes, In the summer of 1990, my parents bought the Flights of Fantasy Amiga bundle, and F-29 Retaliator was part of it. It was the first game I loaded in my Amiga, and coming from a Spectrum, I vividly remember my jaw dropping with the cool 3D world and the roar of the jets revving up. It was also the first game I considered a true flight sim where I really felt like I was piloting a mighty fighter jet, but at the same time was also simple enough for my 14-year-old self having no problem understanding and playing it. As for a while, I only had three games, and this was one of them. I played it quite a lot and have many, many fond memories of it. I may not be very impartial, but I think this game deserves at least an 8 out of 10. Boy, I couldn't imagine coming from a ZX Spectrum and then firing this up. That would blow your mind. Yeah, it would. Absolutely. And finally, Da Crabs, MTG, writes, It's no Star Fox. Boat is a flying ace. Never played it, but enjoyed your review, so no rating. You Thank go. you, Dan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll look this up. You're going to laugh and or mock me. But I actually looked this up early, as soon as it came up to see if I could get a copy of it. Just because it'd been easier to have the manual and stuff if I get it cheap. I've right. been on a good run, Boat. I've been getting yeah, all this stuff have, dirt cheap. And so I had a look. And guess what? It is dirt cheap if you're in the UK. Mm. They didn't have there. I, I couldn't find any uh, copies available in the States. Yeah. Now, if you want the discs... Oh, by the way, I, there's two things I didn't mention uh, uh, before I get into the eBay. Number one, this game was intended to have a sequel, uh, F-29-2. Mm. There was actually a cover disc release with a preview of it. I think it was on Amiga Zero magazine. But eventually, they stopped working on it and went fully into working on Epic, and the sequel was never released. I also read that there's an American release of this that was only one disc. So I would wonder... <laughs> I don't know how they would have pulled that off. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, so apparently there's a there's a a, a cut a cut down version uh, for the states. Anyway, uh, I found this on eBay. The discs you can get all day for like four or five bucks, 
you can get a uh, uh, complete in box version. I saw these things by the ton over there, uh, ranging from eight to eleven U.S. dollars. Uh, easy money. I would have paid that uh, if if I you know could have gotten it locally. Something tells me if I could have get this stuff locally, I'd have a huge library of games. Because I mean, yeah. when it comes to being cheap, I'll buy stuff on the cheap, brother, all day long, uh, oh, yeah. including this stuff. So there you go, boat. I, you know, seven point five five. Again, I, these are the kind of games where I'm, I'm hesitant to like really tear into it. But I mean, there were stuff in this that you could tear into, specifically the mission elements being in the book. I think that's a real drag, and the and the really uninteresting, unappealing, uh, sterile menu system. And you're right; it's not the same like as having someone have the camera up there and there's a briefing and all that stuff. It gets you get you more in the mood. This is sort of a no frills mission game. If you want to mm-hmm. just get into a mission and go, this is probably the one for you. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, it's time to leave F29 Retaliator and talk about what's been going on on the YouTube channels. What's been going on, man? Okay, man. Well, had a couple uh, releases this week, Boatster. Now, really, only one on our main channel here, uh, and that was uh, myself and the Brent. Now, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, We do a million ARGs, as you know, but this one I was excited about. Uh, This is the Games of South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, last year we did a thing on the on British Sega Master System games, or not British, but Brazilian, and I was like underwhelmed by this. And and I will say this had a similar amount of games available to choose from. Uh, there, it's not like South Africa's cranking out the games. And Brent picked this category, so I don't know what he was thinking. But we actually found a couple games that I really got into. Uh, I played a game called Toxic Bunny uh, Boat, which is an interesting game. It was uh, it was sort of like a, a Eurofied American weird platform giant level game. It's a real strange game uh, with that sort of uh, '90s uh, attitude to it, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty good. But then Brent came back, and I've got to think that Brent had a, 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 a had a game in mind when he picked this category because he picked a game called freaking bro force brother bro force <laughs> normally i don't like to spill the beans on my thoughts on these games because you need to go watch the show but bro force is the is is awesome i played it last <laughs> week at your house mm-hmm. i played it some more here uh, my our good buddy friend of the show uh and uh often contributor rob flacco here bought me a copy of this on steam I was waiting oh. for it when i got home and i i played this thing a lot this week listen this game is outstanding. It's an outstanding, fun, original game. God bless those South Africans. They came through at a pinch uh, because this is one of the best things we've ever played on ARG. I mean, ever. I mean, it's got to be one of my favorite games. So uh, if you want to hear us go on and on about and gush about Bro Force and talk about the game South Africa and what's going on there, you'll probably get a kick out of uh, watching uh, the show this week. Uh I think that's all we had on the main channel here, Boat. Let me flip over to the stream team. We had a couple interesting releases. Uh, I got crazy and did a Sunday morning disaster stream uh, this week because there was no ARG. We'd filmed it last week after Amigos. And guess what I played right out of the gate? Bam, Broforce. Put some Broforce. But I actually got into some other stuff. I played a lot of stuff on Steam. I played the Chaos Reborn, which is, I love that game, you know, based on the old ZX Spectrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played some. F1 cart uh, game. This is what this is something we picked up for TSI a few years ago, but it's impossible to get a bunch of people on it at once. It's unbelievable. But by itself, 
By yourself, it's pretty fun. And this actually kicked me off into looking into some F1 crap on YouTube this week, which you probably noticed that. Because I don't know jack squat about F1. Anyway, played a bunch of games on here. If you're into uh, uh, some sort of like retro-styled uh, PC games, check it out. That was my disaster stream uh, from last Sunday morning. And then last but not least, Boat, our good buddy, the Flaxster. I just put him over a minute ago, Jack Flack, with a Sprite Castle. He played an arcade game I've never heard of. That's up and down. Have you played this one a bunch of times? Heck yeah, I've played this. This is great. I've never played this oh one. Oh my gosh, I don't know. you're missing I've, out, man. I, I don't know if I've game. ever seen it, uh, yeah. to, if I'm honest. I watched him play this, and I thought to myself, this is intriguing. This is a great game. I'm not surprised that you know about this uh, boat, if I'm honest, because it looks like it's right up your alley. Yeah, so you, this is the kind of thing that I enjoy. Yeah, I wonder if there's an, is there an ST or Amiga port of this, you think? We have something to look into. I don't know. Maybe so. Uh, he played a bunch of stuff. Then he also had some fun trying to update his mister here at the end while he told stories, which was a lot of fun. And then last, uh, he went nuts and played a ton of Dig Dug. He was going for the high score <laughs> uh, boat. So, listen, everyone, everyone without fail should check out all the Sprite Castle plays and all of the Rob Flacco Harris shows, all of them are top shelf boat. We're both big fans. Rob's yes. awesome. And just to put it over the top, last night uh, I, I ran a marathon on uh, Amigos TV of all the uh, conversations with the dark side where me, you, and Rob Flacco Harris were heavily featured mm. uh, in these shows. And so that was a lot of fun. I think, boat, that is all the video we released. I will say, coming up this weekend, just to plug it, uh, I've got a brand new, uh, uh, brand new show coming out from uh, Happy Coding and from uh, 48K, and we'll build those next week. But they'll be coming soon. And you're gonna be? Are you gonna be disaster streaming this evening? I will be disaster streaming, uh, boat. And tonight's topic, boat, is uh, uh, we predict the future. Mm. I'm gonna be playing games on the oft ridiculed Nintendo Wii. As oh, I read okay. people's predictions for the fall, I ask for predictions for the coming year because we really didn't ask for a lot of user predictions on our New Year's right. show. Right. So I asked people to send me some predictions, but it never fails. They've never let me down. I haven't checked <laughs> to see if I've gotten any predictions yet, but I'm hopefully the chat will provide some as well. I, I, but, I have a prediction for you. Okay. You're going to be playing some carnival games. Oh, buddy. <laughs> That's money in the <laughs> bank, brother, right there. You know it. <laughs> All right, speaking of money in the bank, we want to give a big shout-out to all of our Patreon supporters. You guys give us the uh, the energy, the will, and the cash to keep this show going. Seven years strong, Aaron. Seven years of Amigos. Oh, man. Uh, hard to believe. I don't know how strong, but seven years. <laughs> well, in, in July, it'll be eight. No, jeez. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, we want to thank all of our Twitch subscribers. If you want to watch us live, we record the show every Friday night around 5 o'clock on twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. want to give a big shout-out to our uh, moderation crew. Uh, Super Tech Boy has been doing the Lord's work this evening well by done. throwing up links, uh, wielding the band hammer, and just doing some, uh, some awesome stuff. So thank you, Super Tech Boy. And, uh, of course, Aaron... We need to talk about what we're going to play next time. What are we going to play next week? Let's figure it out, Booster. Oh, man. How apropos, Boat. It's virus. Virus. <laughs> it's virus, Boat. You know, Aaron, I only know one thing about this game. Yeah. And that it is that it debuted on the Acorn Archimedes. Oh, well, they're our favorite. Eh? Hey, listen. Our favorite. I wanna, there's two things I want to mention before we roll. 
Uh, I want to mention, well, we've talked about our good buddy Jack Flack, who's part of the Amiga Searcher Gaming Network. I also want to do a big plug for our buddies over at Pixel Gaiden. Uh, great fellows also on our network. Check out their show uh, as it comes out bi-monthly. Or, you know, it's twice a month. Is that bi-monthly boat it is, right? Bi-monthly can mean two things. It's okay. a weird word. Well, okay, there you go. It's twice a month uh, for, for people like myself. I always love those guys. And also, uh, one more quick plug for the Amigathon. Uh, Amigathon, by the way, boat, we're up to, already up to 345 bucks. We actually went up wow. during the show, which is great. You can donate now, can't they, boat? That's right, Amigathon.com. There you go. So check us out on Amigathon.com. That's all I got, boat. All right, we leave you with not the haunting love theme from F29 Retaliator. This is a haunting Amiga mod that I randomly pulled off the internet. Haunting. Guys, thank you so much for watching. We will see you next time, and until then, adios. adios.